All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, good to see you. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here at Project Church. I'm so excited to be kicking off this new series here today with you. How many excited about Hope Week, man? It's going to be amazing. We're going to have projects every day of the week, uh, as well as some on the Sunday it's starting. And then on Saturday, we'll have multiple projects. So we'd love for you to jump in. You can sign up online um, or you can sign up in person in the lobby starting next week. We're looking forward to it. We're going to release hope all across the city. It's going to be amazing. But hey, one real quick thing. If we have any youth, uh, any teenagers, junior high, high school, we have a youth small group that meets right now, community group. You guys can head out. Um, They're going to meet you in the lobby. Give it up for our youth. Come on, somebody. Um, They do a little community group every other week. So all our junior high, high school, they were supposed to release you guys earlier. We forgot. So you can go ahead and we get to see them now, right? We get to love on them. So, hey, I am super excited. We're starting a new series today called Change. Everybody say change. So the tagline behind the series is changing how I see what's been given to me. How many know we've all been given things? Uh, we've been blessed with things. We all have talent. We have time, we have treasure, we have money, we have a purpose. And so God has given us so much. And so what we want to do in this series is change how we see, how we look at what God has given us. Because I think sometimes we get caught up, our view of money, our view of time, our view of talent, our view of, of all these things, sometimes we view it through the lens that this world wants to give us. And so we want to change how we look at these things. We want to change how we see these things that God has given us so that we can release hope to change the world. How many know the church is here to change the world, to be the hope of the world? The, hear me in this. Jesus, he's the one that set out the church. He designed the church. He said, here's what you're going to do. And the church was God's plan A. And there is no plan B. I don't know if you knew, know this. Jesus came and he said, He said, I'm going to build my church. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is God's plan A, and there's no plan B. And so we have a great call. We have a great purpose. And so in order for us to live out the call and the purpose that God has for us, we have to change, man, some of the things that this world has tried to put on us of how we've perceived some of the things that God's given to us. So here's what this series is going to look like. Um, I think we have this graphic. It has the next four weeks for you laid out. Maybe not. Okay, here we go. So here's the breakdown. It's just four-week series. We're going to talk about how I see my inheritance today. Uh, Next week, how I see my time. Part three, how I see my talent. And then part four is how I see my purpose. And that week is launching Hope Week. So it's going to be an amazing time. I encourage you to come back. um, Come back through this series. You'll be encouraged. You'll be challenged. And so today I want to talk to you, though, about how I see my inheritance. How I see my inheritance. We got any hungry people in here? Anybody in here hungry right now? You're just hungry. Just raise your hand. You're hungry. Okay, we got some hungry people. We had some snacks in the lobby. You may have missed them. But uh, I want to talk to you about this internal tension that we all carry. Now, there's a tension that we all carry that sometimes I don't think we even realize we are carrying. And this tension that we carry is about our constant desire for more. Everybody say more. We have a constant desire for more. I want to say, I would say it's our appetite, and I'm not talking about food. We have an appetite, this constant appetite for more. More money, more stuff, more sex, more affirmation, more influence, more notoriety, more, more, more. 
we have this constant tension going on within us as human beings that we always want more. There's this appetite, and we're always trying to feed this appetite. Now, I believe today how we manage our appetite is directly related to how we see our inheritance. And I know this maybe doesn't make sense yet, but stick with me. I got 30 minutes to break this down, okay? 30 minutes to break this down. Stick with me today. A lot of us even have an appetite to be envied. I don't know about you, but I've found in my own life there are times when I have an appetite to be envied. I mean, think about the cars that we drive. We buy certain cars often because of how we look or are perceived by people. The funniest thing about cars is while you drive it, you can't even see it. Do you realize that? Like you're inside of the car, you can't see the car, only other people can see the car, and yet we so fall in love with these cars that we drive that we never even see ourselves in. The only time, I mean, y'all know, though, there are those of you that have bought those cars, and I, I will say this. I've always wanted a car that on my way into a restaurant or store, I just have to stop and turn around and look at it just to admire it real quick before I walk in. Unfortunately, I drive a Kia Sedona minivan, and so I have never stopped and turned around and said, wow, and then walked in. Maybe someday, maybe someday. But some of you have that kind of car, but isn't it funny, like, we have this appetite even to be envied, and what is interesting about our appetites is our appetites always whisper to us, now. That is what our appetites whisper to us. They constantly whisper to us, now, right now. They don't say later, they don't say tomorrow, And they don't even say someday. Our appetites whisper to us right now. And that is the constant tension that you and I are always dealing with. So I want to read, if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to be reading from verse 27 through 34. This is the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. So Abraham, who God decides, hey, I'm going to start my people line, um, the Israelites, through you, Abraham. I'm going to start a nation through you because I have to usher in um, my Savior through a people line. I have to give an example of what it should look like, my relationship with a people group. And so he starts with Abraham. Then Abraham has Isaac. And then Isaac has these two sons of Jacob and Esau. Esau was the older son. Jacob was the younger son. Let's read Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 27 through 34. It says this. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in his tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. We got any mama's boys in the house? Just wear it proudly. And all my mama's boys, oh, a few of you, look at you, you're proud about it too. Well done. Jacob was a mama's boy. Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. 
So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So this is an interesting story, and let me set this up real quick, because I think that we don't understand the power of a birthright like they did in this culture. So let me describe and and explain what a birthright meant in this day. A birthright was something that was an inheritance. And it was a huge inheritance in this day. There were three components to the birthright. The first was the financial side because the oldest son in this Middle Eastern culture and these families received twice as much and sometimes three times as much as the other children, the other sons. So it started with a financial blessing. If you had the birthright, which the oldest child had, you actually got more inheritance. That was the first part about it. The second part about the birthright is that it was a blessing, it came with a blessing they saw and they perceived from God. In fact, they believed that God would bless the one with the birthright more than he would bless the other sons or the other children. They always perceived and saw that there would be more of a, more of a blessing, God would give more to the individual who had the birthright. So it came with a financial blessing and it came with a blessing from God And then the third part about it was the oldest child who had the birthright was also the authority in the family. So he would actually be the judge and jury over the family. He exercised all authority over the family. He oversaw, and this involved his brothers even, where he would speak into any of their dealings, um, any of their property selling, all these kinds of things. He held authority in the family over the other siblings. So the birthright was a big deal. Do you get it? We're talking about two to three times more inheritance. We're talking about having authority over the other siblings as judge and jury. And we're talking about a perceived blessing from God that God would bless the one with the birthright more than he would bless the others. So this was a big deal. And what does Esau do? He sells his birthright for a bowl of stew. He sells his birthright because his appetite is telling him he's hungry right now. And he got a little dramatic, didn't he? He even said, what is my birthright of use to me? I'm about to die anyways. Now, how many know sometimes we get hangry? Y'all get hangry like me? Yesterday, I was all angry, and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I realize I'm hungry, okay? I'm hangry. Um, We all understand this, and I guarantee you, uh, Esau was not really about to die. He'd just been hunting for a day or two, but he got, he exaggerated. He was hangry. He needed food. He, he wanted, and so he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. You see, we are called to change how we see things. We are called to change how I see my inheritance. And here's what I believe. Changed people live led by their eternal inheritance, not their temporary appetite. That's what today is about. That changed people will live led by their eternal inheritance, not their temporary appetite. And when I say appetite, I'm not talking about food, even though here Esau sold his birthright for some food. But how many know that what I was talking about, the tension, the appetite we have is for so much more than just food. 
This appetite for more, this desire for more. Hear me in this. Your eternal inheritance matters too much to give in to your temporary appetite. It matters way too much to give in to your temporary appetite. So today, let's look at people led by their appetite, what they do first. People led by their appetite do whatever feels good in the moment. How many of you ever got caught up doing what feels good in the moment? Some of you last night, you were able to get up because you got extra hours of sleep, but you may have done some things that felt good in the moment, and that's why you were at church early this morning. You're like, Jesus, forgive me. People led by their appetite do whatever feels good in the moment. And how many of you know that when we do what feels good in the moment, we can put ourselves in some compromising positions? Jacob here, he saw a, a foothold. He saw a struggle for his brother. He saw how hungry his brother was, and he took advantage of it. Now, I think I understand this story um, maybe more than some because I have a younger brother. I'm the oldest of four children. We got any oldest children in the house? I'm the oldest of four. Okay, a lot of you. Oh, my goodness, a lot of you. Okay. And so I understand. How many people have siblings? Have, sorry. How many have a brother in here? You have a brother. All right, a lot of you. So you understand maybe a little more of this than those that maybe don't have a brother because there's always, when there's brothers, there's this unwritten and sometimes unspoken rivalry, isn't there? Like when, with brothers, especially if they're close together, me and my brother are 16 months apart, we could not be more opposite from each other. We are literally the complete opposite people in all facets, personality, interest. I mean, on so many levels, we are the complete opposite. And yet there was always this rivalry between us as brothers because we're so close together and we're vying for something. Why? Because we have appetites for more. This desire for more. And here's what I believe. I believe that God did put some of um, our desires for more in us. Like, I believe that uh, I like to win. I don't know about you, but I, I'm competitive. I want to win. The problem is that with my flesh, I will try to win at all costs. And when you win at all costs, you compromise your character. When you're willing to win at all costs, you compromise your character. And so I think those of us that have brothers, we understand this rivalry that happens. I believe it's something, God put something in us. He actually told us the first command he gave to man was to go and subdue the land. He said, go like win. Go win. Like name these animals. Uh, you know, build things and, and raise crops and subdue the land. He said, go win. But the problem is our flesh, and once the fall came in and sin came in, we started to take this idea of winning or doing well or, or accomplishing things that God has put in our hands, and we've taken it to a negative place, and we've even compromised our character. When we are led by our appetite, we will do whatever feels good in the moment. And that is the most dangerous place we can be. People led by their appetites, number two, they compromise on the regular. They compromise. Why? Because their appetite is so strong, they, they have this thing in them saying more, more, more. And what does is, what is the appetite whisper? It says now, now, now. More, more, more. Now, now, now. And so they compromise to 
feed or to meet the need that the appetite has in the moment. When we're led by appetite, we'll compromise regularly. And people that live according to their inheritance, they do not compromise. We can't be a people that compromise. The church must set an example of those who will not and refuse to compromise. Third, people led by their appetite, they lack self-control. They can't control themselves. They give in to, to their natural desires. Now here's what the Bible tells us. It says we are called to crucify our flesh. To crucify what often comes natural. And so the world would tell you, like, just do whatever feels good. Just do whatever you feel in the moment. Just be happy. I think, like, when, when we give this advice, and I hear people, I just, just do whatever makes you happy. That is the worst advice anyone could ever give you. Just do what makes you happy. Because what makes you happy in a moment could be the, what leads you to your destruction in the long term. What makes you happy in a moment, that isn't good advice. If anyone ever tells you, just do whatever, do what makes you happy, do, don't ignore that. Don't listen to that. Because that is a lack of self-control. Well, we'll give in to whatever our desire is in the moment. And four, people led by their appetite, they think only about the present. How many of us get caught up thinking only in the here, in the now? That tension that our appetite builds in us is now. It whispers to us, now. It whispers to us, feed me now. We're only thinking about the present. And we're not thinking about the future. We're not thinking about the long term. We're not thinking about the long term effects it could have on us and all those people around us. So I wanted to do a little juxtaposition today. These are people led by their appetites, but I want to jump in here today and talk to you about when you are led by your inheritance, this is what you do. When you're led by your inheritance, this is what you do. First, you refuse to compromise. 1 Timothy 6.6 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, there's this combination that has to come. There's a godliness that we all must have, that God is calling us to have, but it has to be coupled by contentment. And here's what I would say to you. I want to ask you, are you content with what God has given you right now? Are you content with where God has placed you right now? Now, I do believe in uh, something known as a holy discontent. I believe in that. That we should have a holy discontent in that we should never be satisfied if there's something in us that isn't right. There's something in us that needs to switch. Something in us that needs to grow. We need to move spiritually. We need to become more like God. But at the end of the day, this holy discontent doesn't mean we can't have a contentedness with where God has placed us in this season and what God has called us to do right now in this season. And I know that some of you are not content in your jobs. You're not content in your relationships. You're not content in your walk with God. And some of this, you need to say, okay, that's a holy discontent. But then some of us, Some of it is not holy, and we need to say, God, help me to be content with where you've placed me right now, because otherwise we're missing out on all the things that God wants to do right now in us. What he wants to do right now in the job we have. What he wants to do right now in this situation, the relationships that we have. We have to be a people led by God and those who are refusing to compromise. Compromise happens every single day. We decide or choose to compromise 
every single day. Some of you will choose to compromise when you leave these doors. You will choose on your way home. You'll choose at the restaurant whether you're going to compromise or not on the diet that you've been trying to work on. You, you will have opportunities to compromise, but people that are led by their inheritance refuse to compromise. Number two, people led by their inheritance recognize their identity. They recognize and they know their identity. So let me read from Galatians chapter 3. I know I've been talking about inheritance and uh, where our identity lies. And so I want you to hear this because this is what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And he wrote this about our inheritance. And it's a little long, so stick with me. I'm going to read Galatians 3 verse 26 through chapter 4 verse 7. It says this, For in Christ Jesus... You are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everybody say one. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Just as Isaac, Esau, Jacob are. Heirs... According to promise, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. This is talking about our appetites, our, our need to, for more and right now, these elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Here's what this is saying. Your inheritance is that you as sons and daughters are children of the living God. You are heirs of a promise. The Bible goes on and it talks about how we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ of an inheritance. Listen, we were and are still caught up in the elementary things of this world. We are caught up in our fleshly appetites, the appetites of this world. But God is saying to us, and he's calling us, and he's saying no longer should you be bound up by that, those fleshly desires, should you be caught up by that temporary appetite, you have a call, and it's an eternal call, and you are co-heirs with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is your identity. This is your inheritance, that you are children of God. You and I, sons and daughters, we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to our flesh. We're no longer slaves to the earthly desires. We're no longer slaves to our appetites. We're no longer slaves to more. We are now co-heirs with Christ. That is your inheritance. You have an eternal inheritance. We got to know our identity. When we know that we are children of God, we live different. When you can stand here and say, listen, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the most high God. You live different, don't you? The problem is, too many of us, we don't know where our identity lies. And we're trying to find our identity in relationships. 
We're trying to find our identity in stuff. We're trying to find our identity in what we accomplish in this world. We're trying to find our our identity in notoriety. We're trying to find our identity in our jobs, in how well we do, in how much money we make. But at the end of the day, when you know that your identity is rooted as a child of God, you live different. You don't live the same way. We have to change how we perceive ourselves and how we see our identity. And so I want to encourage you today because I think for a long time I was caught up. Caught up in trying to prove myself to people. I thought my identity was in how people perceived me or how well I did or how many things I accomplished. But at the end of the day, when you are a child of God, when you are sons of God and daughters of God, it doesn't matter if you... If you succeed or fail according to the world's standards, you still know that you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. You and I. So I would say, like, listen, I'm a father. I don't think I understood this wholly or fully until I started to have children. But now I see my children. And let me tell you something. I have three kids, two boys and a girl. So I'm already starting to see Esau and Jacob happening in my boys. All right? Like, this is what goes down. In fact, in the Bible, it tells about how when Esau came out, Jacob was holding onto his heel on the way out. Like, that's the kind of relationship that they had. And so I'm already seeing this in my boys. But let me tell you something. My children, they disobey me sometimes. And sometimes they're straight out defiant. Um, they've lied to me. They've spoken back to me. Last night, I was uh, hanging out with some guys. I was watching the fights, the UFC fights. And uh, my wife texts me because she said my son got mad at her and didn't want to eat dinner. And he yelled at her. And she said, Canaan or Kai, you don't yell at mommy. You don't do that. We don't yell at mommy. And so he calmed down and he said, okay, mommy, I'm not yelling at you out loud, but I'm yelling at you in my heart. Dang. How do you respond to that? She didn't even know what to do. She just laughed. Like, how do you respond? He's four years old. That's pretty impressive. But let me tell you something. My kids, no matter how much they disobey me or defy me or how upset I might get in a moment, at the end of it, as a father, and I'm an earthly father who's given to my flesh, I will love them no matter what. It doesn't matter how well they do in life. It doesn't matter how much they fail in life. It doesn't matter if they do everything I want them to do or they do nothing I want them to do. They will always be my sons and Charlie will always be my daughter. I will love them no matter what. And I want you to hear this because I think we don't realize that our identity is rooted as children of God and he loves you no matter what. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, angels nor demons, principalities, powers, nothing can separate you from God's love. So get rooted today in your identity as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. It will make you live different. It will make you operate different. It will change how you see yourself. Third today, when you are led by your inheritance, you listen to the Spirit. You listen to the Spirit of God. Did you catch that second part of this, this passage that I read from Galatians? It says, when the fullness of time, this is verse 4 of chapter 4, had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born of the lot, to redeem those who are under the law, so we might receive adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Did you see that? The spirit of the son was sent into our hearts. The spirit of God was sent into your heart and into my heart. And we must begin to listen and become attuned and attune our ears to the spirit as he speaks to us. When you're led by your inheritance as sons of God with the spirit that lives inside of you, that's part of your inheritance. The spirit coming upon you, living inside of you, you listen to that spirit. You know, I hear a lot of times Christians telling me that they're bored. I've, I've talked to a lot of Christians who are bored Christians. And some of you have been caught up there being bored Christians. And I will raise my hand and say, there are times in my walk with God when I have been a bored Christian. I've been bored. And I was thinking about this week, why am I a bored Christian at times? Why are we bored Christians? We feel like we're living a boring Christian life. Here's why. Because we aren't being led by the Spirit. And I'll tell you this, if you are not being led by the Spirit, you are not in the will of God. If you are not allowing the Spirit of God to lead you, you're not in the will of God. And so I would say to you that if we are not, if we are bored Christians, which I have been, then I would, I would present this to you that we are actually not in the will of God. If we are in this place, we're like, man, I've been bored as a Christian. We're not in the will of God. Why? Because we're not being led by the Spirit of God. People who are led by the Spirit of God don't live boring lives. Because the Spirit of God will call you to do things that make you uncomfortable, will move you to go places that you wouldn't normally go, will lead you to have conversations that you would never normally have. You cannot be led by the Spirit and live a boring Christian life. And I'm here to challenge you because I have led a boring Christian life. And I'll tell you right now, it's because I wasn't in the will of God. I wasn't listening to the Spirit of God in my life. When he whispered, I ignored it, and eventually I stopped hearing him. And so I would challenge you that you would say today, God, I want to hear your voice once again. I want to be led by your spirit once again. I don't want to live a boring Christian life. Christians should not live boring lives. We should live the most adventurous lives out there. And God is speaking today. We need to listen to the spirit. The spirit is speaking right now. I, b I believe that every time I come up here, I say, Spirit, you lead me. You speak through me. I believe the Spirit of God wanted me to share this with you today. That he would say to you, no longer are we to be living boring Christian lives. We need to become more attuned and listen to the Spirit of God once again in our hearts and in our lives. Listen to the Spirit. I know it's hard. I know some of you are like, I don't know how to listen to the Spirit. This is how it starts. You just say, God, speak to me. God, I want to hear from your spirit. God, make my ears more attuned to your spirit. That simple prayer will begin to change things. And all of a sudden, throughout your day, you'll hear a little, little, a little whisper, a little voice in your heart and in your mind. And you'll feel like God is speaking to you. And you'll say, wait, wait that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if I should do this. And until we step out and begin to listen and begin to walk in the spirit that God has called us to walk in, we will be bored. But God doesn't want us bored. He wants us to walk out this inheritance, to live out this inheritance, listening to the Spirit of God. Finally today, we're going to close. Live with a legacy in mind. Everybody say legacy. Man, I'm a big believer in this 
idea of legacy. Psalm 16.6 says this. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And if the band would come back, we're going to close. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You know, I think that Esau here, he wasn't living with his legacy in mind. He wasn't living with his legacy in mind when he sold his birthright for a bowl of food, for a bowl of stew. Live with a legacy in mind. A couple weeks ago, I was in uh, South Carolina, and uh, this was maybe a month ago. I was in South Carolina, and I was uh, there for a fundraiser, a fundraiser event. And uh, I hesitated to share this with you guys because, you know, sometimes we want to not share things out of self-preservation. But I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to share this. And uh, I was in South Carolina, and I go there for, uh, for this fundraiser tournament. And I, went, and I went by myself. One of my buddies went with me. Um, he's from Santa Cruz. And, and so we went together. But they set us up in separate rooms, in, in different rooms. And so I'm there in South Carolina. We're in different rooms. And um, we go to check in. And as we're checking in, um, it was like this kind of ritzy place because it's a fundraiser. So it's just like ritzy place. I don't go to ritzy places, y'all. But like, you know, you're supposed to tip everybody. And I, I don't get down like that. But it was interesting. And so I'm in this like ritzy place. And they actually like took you in to like private rooms to check you in. Like private rooms to check you. I mean, it's, it's ritzy. There was, the, there was only like 50 hotel rooms in the whole place. And so they take me to this private room and the girl that's checking me in, she's, she's a young girl. Like a, not a girl, but a young woman. And so she's check, talking to me and she's all super friendly and um, being nice and a little flirtatious. And I'm like, okay, take it easy. And uh, I'm, I'm checking in, I'm giving her all my information. And then at the end of, of the conversation, she's like, so what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm just here for this fundraiser. And actually tonight we're just hanging out, you know, like nothing's going on. It's just kind of chilling. One of my buddies is here and and she's like, oh, maybe we could hang out with us, like some of us. And I'm like, yo, hold up. And so here's what I wanted to tell you, though. In this moment, there was this whisper. And this whisper said this, no one would ever know. This is what the whisper said. In my head, this whisper said, no one would ever know. I mean, my buddy, if I would have said, hey, I'm just going to take the night to myself, he would have been like, okay, cool. We had our own hotel rooms. No one would ever know. That was this whisper. See, that's what our appetite does. Our fleshly appetite, it, it whispers to us now. And it whispers to us about right now, about something that could fill a temporary feeling right now. And this whisper was in my head. And I was real quick. Real quick, my mind, because this is how I think, man. I, th I thought about my legacy. I thought about my wife. 
And my wife was more beautiful than this girl anyways. But anyways, she's right here. And I thought about my wife. And I thought about my three children. And I thought about Project Church. And I thought about all the people who I set an example for. And I started thinking about the, the legacy that I want to have, which isn't five years of Project Church. It's not 10 years. It's not 20 years as a pastor. I want to live a lifetime of faithfulness. I want to have a legacy that's a lifetime long. And so this whisper said no one would ever know. But I combated that with I have a legacy that I'm not willing to let go of. I have a legacy that I'm not willing to lay down. And so real quick I said, real quick I said, uh, thanks, but I'm good. I'm married. I love my wife and my, and my children. Um, I'm going to spend some time with a friend tonight. She said, okay. Went my way. But those whispers, those whispers will lie to you. That appetite is about now. It's about here. You see, the older brother never needs anything from the younger brother, does he? I mean, I'm, I'm an older brother. I never need anything from, I never need anything from my younger brother. The younger brother is the one that always wants to hang out with the older brother. Can I go hang out with you and your friends? Can you take me with you? Can you play with me? Can you hang out with me? And the older brother's going, stop annoying me, right? That's how we think. So when the younger brother all, all of a sudden has something that the older brother brother wants that's a big deal and so in this moment Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew to fill a temporary appetite and as an older brother man I feel for Esau because I'm like man you're the older brother here's what I wanted I would I wish I could go back and I could talk to Esau here's what I would say to Esau I would have said Esau listen in not very long your people are going to end up as slaves in Egypt your nation in fact they're going to be slaves for 400 years and then God is going to speak to a man named Moses one of your descendants and he's going to tell him to go and rescue them and when he speaks to Moses Moses from a burning bush he's going to say I'm the God of your ancestors I'm the God of Abraham Isaac and Esau then one of your descendants is going to be the Son of God Himself. The Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when they speak about the Savior of the world, from then until the end of time, and we're still speaking about it today, they will say, Jesus came from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Is that really something that you want to trade for a bowl of stew? Is that really something that you want to trade for attempt to fill a temporary appetite, a temporary need? What Esau wouldn't have given to have someone come like me and tell him that for all of time they're going to say that he is. Jesus came from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but that's not what we say. What do we say? We say that Jesus came from the line of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that's what we say and we still say it today why because Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of stew 
to fill a temporary appetite. So what I wanted to challenge you with today, I wanted to encourage you with today, that you are no longer slaves, no longer slaves to the temporary appetites of this world, to the temporary things that this world would try to tell you you need. Changed people live led by their eternal inheritance, not their temporary appetite. Don't sacrifice your eternal inheritance. Don't sacrifice your legacy to feed a temporary appetite. We are heirs of a promise, you and I. If you want to walk as heirs of God, if you want to leave a legacy that matters, I want to encourage you right now. If you want to have a legacy, if you want to say, I will live according to my eternal inheritance, not my temporary appetite. Right now, I want to do something. I want us to sing this song. This is a song that we sung earlier about things being broken, about us being separate, because I know some of you are bound up by temporary appetites in your life. But whether you are or whether you are not, as we sing this song, if you would say, I want to live according to the eternal inheritance I have. I want to live according to the legacy that I want to have for my life and my future. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to sing this with us today.